As a parent, have you ever had a moment when you saw your child banging their head or copying other people's words, or flapping their hands, and you just for a second thought, does my child have autism? Or maybe they lined up their toys or were really insistent about the way something is arranged or really careful about what they're wearing. Okay, yes, many of these behaviors are symptoms of autism. The thing is, every typically developing kid will do many of these same things that autistic kids do at some point. Many of the things that we think of as autistic behaviors are part of normal development and are simply stages kids go through as their nervous systems wire themselves for adulthood. People on the autism spectrum just stick with some of these behaviors for too long or do them too often. So it can be really hard to tell the difference. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to autism spectrum disorders, but today we're going to focus on how you can tell if your child's weird behavior is just a thing that normal kids do or something that might indicate that you need to have them evaluated for autism. And we'll talk about how to get that evaluation process started. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. I'm that doctor friend you call for practical advice about your kid's health. I mix the science of medicine with the reality of parenting. Kids on the autism spectrum have what I call a different operating system than other kids. What's even more complicated is that children with autism can be very different from one another, which is why it's called a spectrum. But at the very heart of autism, all kids on the spectrum have a few things in common. They have atypical social interactions, and they also have restricted repetitive patterns of interests. So things they like to do, things they care about, they only talk about that one single thing is pretty common for kids on the spectrum. I want to start by talking about the most common concern that I hear from parents in the clinic. Parents of kids up to around age four frequently tell me they're worried that their child is flapping their hands or is like repetitively rolling their wrists or their ankles around. These are known as repetitive stereotyped behaviors or stereotypies. I have a really hard time pronouncing that word. So I've asked my friend, child neurologist, Dr. Michael Zimbrick to explain this. These will vary quite a bit, but essentially stereotyped repetitive movement means it's essentially the same thing every time, right? Stereo means solid, type means type. So it's the same type of thing every single time. And it's a repetitive movement. The most common stereotypy, we say stereotypy for short, just it's a little quicker to say, is repetitive hand flapping. And this is something that many people associate with kids on the autism spectrum. And it is true that kids on the autism spectrum do have stereotypies more than kids who are not on the autism spectrum. But the fact is, is that stereotypies are still considered a normal childhood behavior. They happen most often in early childhood, but there are definitely older kids and even some adults who have stereotypies. Most kids outgrow them, and so you don't tend to see them in adolescents and adults, but there are a few people that still have them. So hand flapping back and forth, usually when a child is excited, sometimes when they're kind of anxious or stressed, is really common. And then there's different variations on the theme, like rotation at the wrists or even at the feet. We'll see plenty of kids who are sitting in their car seats and they'll do rotational movement at the wrists and then they'll do it at their ankles too at the same time. And parents wonder and worry about that and, and wonder if it's, is it normal? Is it abnormal? Is it seizure? Is it not? 
<laughs> now I'm just picturing an adult flapping their hands when they get ice cream. As Dr. Zimbrick explained, most of the repetitive movements that your child does are just these normal childhood stereotyped movements, and they will go away as the child gets older. So maybe now you feel a little bit better about their weird movements, but how else might you be able to tell if your child has autism? Kids with autism often have a limited ability to understand another person's perspective. They can't quite see how another person is thinking or what they're feeling. In a young child, this means they're not gonna copy what other kids or adults do, and they often don't point at things to get another person to see what they're looking at. You can check to see if your child can understand another person's perspective and that they likely don't have autism if they do these things. So if your child looks at an object when you point at it, that's pretty reassuring. If they pretend to do things that they see you do, like if they pretend to talk on the phone or pretend to feed a doll, that's a good sign. Some kids will point to show you something that they want you to also see. And that indicates that they understand that you have a different perspective than they do. Another good sign is if they smile when you smile at them. You also want to look for kids who try to copy you. So if you clap your hands, a child should try and clap back. Or if you make a funny noise, they'll make a funny noise. And the last thing is that they'll try to get you to watch them doing something. And they'll look at you for praise if they want your attention. So these are things that you might see in a young child. But like I said earlier, autism is a spectrum. And some kids have very mild symptoms. So they may not be diagnosed at an early age. In older kids you may recognize autism spectrum disorder, which is also called ASD, because these kids or adults like your awkward uncle or brother-in-law may not have an ability to understand language that's not literal. So for example, metaphors or sarcasm. So expressions like it's raining cats and dogs, they may take very literally. They may also have difficulty having a back and forth conversation and may wanna talk mostly about their own interests. Older kids might also not be able to infer another person's feelings or intentions. So ask yourself, does my child misunderstand other kids' intentions or misunderstand other kids' feelings? Do they make these mistakes when they're in real-time interactions? Like, do you notice it at soccer practice or on the playground? Then you may want to pay attention also to if they can label emotions when they're looking at pictures of people or if you're reading them a book. Since autism is a spectrum, it can be really hard to make the diagnosis. And all the things that you classically think about in terms of autism may or may not be there. One parent shared this story of her experience and it really clearly explains how you might think about your child and whether they have autism or not. And she also talks about the fears that you have when you get the diagnosis and the anxiety and projecting towards the future and, and what is this going to mean? My high-functioning ASD kiddo loves his sister more fiercely than I've ever seen. He's great with family, speaks well, and is clear. When he was two, his preschool teacher pushed us to have him evaluated for autism. She never actually used the word autism. She just gave vague descriptions of his behaviors being different from the other kids in his class. I was so hurt and confused. My son looks me in the eyes. He has imaginative conversations with me. He hugs me and constantly holds my hand. He never flapped his hands and he never lined up rows of toys. So at the time we had a brief evaluation and they did not diagnose him with autism, but the same teacher pushed me again for a thorough evaluation. We went for a more thorough evaluation at a medical center 
and the psychologist did diagnose him with high-functioning autism. Now he's six, and as we see it, there are just differences in how he interacts with the world. He does well with familiar people and adults, but on a playground with kids he doesn't know he struggles. It's hard to watch him struggle with social things that come easy to other kids, but he is unaware. I'm grateful for the diagnosis that gave him the opportunity for so many therapies and services. Now he's in a regular first grade class, and I wonder if we would have ended up in a different place if he hadn't been given access to all those early interventions and therapies. My advice to parents is take all the help and all the therapies you can get, including occupational therapy, speech therapy, and tutoring. It's never a bad thing and would probably help every kid if they could get those. Feel lucky if your child gets a diagnosis. Try any therapies that are offered and stop anything that's not a good fit. The fear, shock, and the grief of a diagnosis is real, especially when you don't see it coming. I'm so thankful to that teacher. Also try to remember your child is still the same kid you love with or without the diagnosis. I know you were just thinking that your child points at things or did when they were little, or your child seems to understand sarcasm. And so maybe you're not worried about your child being on the spectrum and you can stop this episode here. But if you're still a little concerned or just interested, let's talk about what else can be done. Most kids are screened for ASD by their pediatrician between 16 and 30 months of age using the 20 question MCHAT screening tool. If your child tests positive on this questionnaire, 95% of kids will eventually be diagnosed with some developmental disorder, but only about 45% will actually be diagnosed with autism. There are more accurate evaluation tools on the horizon. One recent one is a machine learning model that might be able to diagnose some forms of autism as early as one month of age. And another test tracks kids' eye movements when they're allowed to choose between looking at a scene of a mother talking baby talk or a scene that doesn't have any people in it. This evaluation can detect autism when kids don't spend much time looking at the mother that's talking. For now, the test most trained psychologists use is the Autism Diagnostic Observation Scale, or the ADOS. ASD can be challenging to diagnose, and that's partly because a lot of other diagnoses have symptoms that look like autism but they're nothing more than a similar looking manifestation with an entirely different cause. For example, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD can look like autism because ADHD symptoms include inattentiveness and impulsiveness. So if a child doesn't pay attention to language or other social cues, they may look like they have autism, but really they have attention problems. And this is even more complicated because many kids can have two diagnoses like ADHD and autism. Some kids may have anxiety or may have both anxiety and autism as well. Another mother shared this story of her child's diagnosis with me. My sweet little almost four-year-old is so affectionate. He names his sister's emotions and tends to them. He will make fleeting eye contact, like he catches my eye for a second or two while talking to me, but then he looks away. And he'll tell me about his day, but my husband and I very actively sought an evaluation for him because we knew he was different from our other kids. Anxiety was his most significant symptom. We didn't realize exactly how different until he was very thoroughly assessed, which we got to watch from behind a two-way mirror for eight hours over two days. 
And that was extremely revealing to us. He was recommended after that evaluation to have occupational therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy for his anxiety, and ABA. A word on ABA. I want you to look for progressive ABA, which helps the child to function in society without trying to make them neurotypical. And on therapies in general, my son has grown in leaps and bounds since starting to the point that my husband said to me the other day, are we sure he has autism? And I reminded him, because I'm a doctor, that my patients talk about their great blood pressure control when they're sitting there on four medicines. And they say, oh, I don't have hypertension. I would say jump on any recommended therapy because you may not even realize how much your child needs it until you start to see improvements in their daily life. And early intervention, if indicated, is so very important. We have our little boy back thanks to this diagnosis and the therapies it made available to us. We were losing him to anxiety, which turned out to be sensory related from his autism. Getting an accurate diagnosis is really important because there are many treatments and they can be quite different. Some behaviors can look like autism and they're not, and some can look like anxiety and actually be autism. So what are some of the things that kids who have a suspected diagnosis of autism turn out to have instead? Some of the most common diagnoses are anxiety and language delay. I've also myself seen a case of selective mutism, which is a form of anxiety where the child can't speak in certain situations, but they are able to speak around people they're comfortable with. Gifted kids can also sometimes seem like they have autism, but kids who are socially awkward because they are super smart typically do like social interaction and they want to have friends, which is a little different than kids on the spectrum. These kids can also explain their intense interests, which usually include a large number of different interests rather than just one limited obsession that you may see in a child on the autism spectrum. Other things that can look like autism are tics, learning disorders, hearing impairment, and attachment disorder, which is caused by early childhood deprivation, like kids raised in overseas orphanages that are never picked up or held. If a child really does have symptoms that suggest autism, you will need to see a specialist like a developmental behavioral pediatrician, a child psychiatrist, or a neuropsychologist to get a diagnostic evaluation. However, the wait to get an evaluation can be really long right now. If you want to get started, a general pediatrician can make an initial diagnosis of ASD, and this might be a good idea because at least you can get started on therapy. And we know the younger a child starts a type of therapy called ABA, which is applied behavior analysis, the better they function when they're older. Some states might not accept a diagnosis from a general pediatrician, so check with your local school system and with your insurance to make sure your child will qualify for treatment if your pediatrician makes the diagnosis. In the United States, treatment services are provided through early intervention for kids that are under 36 months of age, and then by the public school system if they're over 36 months of age. Contact information for early intervention is available on the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention website, and I'll put a link in the show notes. If you're not sure your child's behavior is due to autism, but you have specific behavior concerns that are concerning you, there are a variety of treatments. So for example, if your child has really challenging behavior like hyperactivity or aggression, you can look for programs like Triple P, the Positive Parenting Program, or parent-child interaction therapy, or another program called The Incredible Years. And I'll list these in the show notes as well. If your child has trouble with social skills, 
See if you can find a supervised community play group or a social skills group. Your pediatrician might be able to help you find one of those. And then for communication or speech problems, you'll always want to start with a hearing test to make sure your child actually can hear. And then ask your pediatrician for a referral to speech therapy. Parents are very accurate when they have concerns about their child's development. So if you are even a little bit worried, your concern is probably valid. However, the issue is most likely not what you fear it is. And if your worry started when you saw your child banging their head, flapping their hands, or making some other repetitive movement, I want to leave you with these calming words from Dr. Zimbrick. I often see, and parents often see, infants and toddlers doing their stereotypies when they're a bit excited, when they are about to get some ice cream or, or when they're seeing their favorite character on television. And it's almost as if it's an external expression of their inner excitement. I hope this episode got you so excited about pediatric diagnostic challenges that you're flapping your hands. And while you're at it, go ahead and clap or better yet, follow the show, leave a rating and a review. If you want to hear more about ticks, check out last week's episode seven. And for more on other abnormal movements in kids, listen to episode five about seizure fakeouts. Send me your questions about your kid's health for a chance to hear your question on the show. For more from the pediatrician next door, find me on the web at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com. If you've got a question about the weird things kids do, send an email to hello at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com for a chance to hear your voice on the show. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. This show is produced by Red Rock Music. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever it is you're listening. I'll be back next time with more.